Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're Get In Here Ministries. You know, a lot of people come up to us and ask us hard questions about God, and the Bible, and spiritual living. And you know why a lot of those questions are softball questions for us? There are actually some pretty good ones. One of them being, how do I have a better prayer life? Well, good news, we got some killer tips to a better prayer life. Before we do that, though, let's start off with a title and some dance moves. No, we're not doing a title and a dance. Let's just kind of get into this. If you have a prayer request but don't actually want to request it, simply say, unspoken. I currently have six unspokens that I'm praying for this guy about. Johnny, sorry to bother you, but I actually have another prayer request. Okay. What? It's unspoken. <laughs> okay, well that's seven. And while I have no clue what I'm praying about, someone does. Just no one human. The Bible says pray without ceasing, and well, we believe in the Bible. Chachi has been praying without ceasing for over 32 hours now. Chachi, how do you feel? What, who said what? Where, where am I? Well, Chachi, you have been praying for over 32 hours straight. You feel pretty good? Can I get a restroom break? <laughs> Not if you want to fully obey scripture. Oh, I'm not sure what to say about that, to be honest with you. It's amazing, though, how uh, if you've been in, grown up in church and you've been in church for a long time, that uh, a lot of these things about prayer, um, they really aren't supposed to be funny, but they are kind of funny in church, aren't they? Um, how many of you, we're going to take a quick poll, because I've asked this several times uh, in different settings. I'm going to ask real quick then this morning. How many of you uh, would say that you struggle with your prayer life. Put your hand up. I'm not going to say be proud. I'm just going to put your hand up. It's interesting because a few weeks ago we asked that question in our staff meeting and uh, it was the same response. All of us struggle with our prayer life. All of us feel like that maybe we could do, we could do better. Um, and, and in fact, last, uh, last night, uh, late last night, I asked another question on uh, Facebook. I asked, give us a grade of your prayer life. A, B, C, D, or F. And I don't think, I, there was one person that, that said that right now, currently, their prayer life is at an A, only just raised up from an F because they're going through a traumatic situation in their life. And, and that's, that's all of us, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing how desperate we become for God when life is desperate, don't we? Uh, and that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that when, when life is rough and hard and difficult that you can go to God. And, but we want to be desperate for God when we're not desperate, right? And, uh, and so everyone, pretty much everyone else graded themselves as a C, a few Ds there, and then a few Fs. So we're kind of admitting together today as a church that prayer is, is for whatever reason, difficult. Or we find it difficult. Uh, we wish we were better at it. Uh, you, you may sit down to pray, and about 30 seconds in, your mind is completely on something else. You may feel that when you pray, you know, growing up in church, I remember people saying, well, my prayer doesn't get past the ceiling. And, and I'm kind of a smart, like I was thinking, well, good, because Jesus is in my heart. But, you know, I'm just trying to be... 
You ever feel like God's not listening to you? Anybody ever feel like that? Just kind of shake your head. You ever sit down to pray and you don't even know what to say? And, and the truth is, and, uh, and, and I was in Sunday school earlier listening to uh, Greg was teaching, and Greg made a statement. He's like, that's probably, if, I mean, if we're talking about spiritual disciplines, prayer uh, is probably at the bottom of my list on being good at. And the truth is, I, I'm more confident in the ability for me to fast than I am to pray. It's interesting that this morning, uh, I had already kind of got ready, and, and I was just sitting there, and and uh, I said, you know, I'm just going to have a, a few minutes of just some focused prayer this morning before I walk out the door. And five minutes later, I realized I was on my phone looking at Twitter. Can anybody identify with that? Maybe not Twitter, but you know. So why is it so difficult? So I want to encourage you, see here on the screen, if, if you have a question about prayer, my guess is your question is somebody else's question. There's a number there, so you could text that question. Uh, we'll give you a few minutes now, even, you know, pretend like you're texting us a question if you want to check your Facebook real quick. But you could, you could text us right now a question, something that we maybe could hit on in the next few weeks, because probably the question you have is a question that someone else also has this morning. Now, I wanted to mention real quick this morning, how many of you like my T-shirt? Anybody like my T-shirt? All right, can I? Yeah, that's right. So if you don't know what it's for, this is Active for Autism. This is Autism Awareness Month. And so it's, you're supposed to wear blue, so I'm all in blue. And I got to go to uh, the, the run yesterday for the Dillon Foundation. I saw many of you guys out there. Some of you need to work on your time and get a little bit, anyways... I did wash it before I put it back on. Thank you, yeah. But it was, it was interesting this morning as I was, I was sitting here and we were worshiping. Um, I looked up, and I, maybe this happens every week and I'm just now aware of it, but Dylan, who this shirt is for, was helping receive the offering this morning. Anybody else see that? Hopefully you were prepared. Yeah, give Dylan a hand. That was awesome. So... Dylan and I have been buddies for a long time, and so I appreciate Dylan and uh, pray for him often. But um, anyways, that's why I'm wearing a T-shirt. Part of it was for him, and part of it was just to see if I could make anybody mad this morning. So that's who I am. You know now. So Friday night, I put this question. So I was home by myself Friday night and decided I'm going to take the opportunity to kind of refresh and look over my message again. And so as I was looking over the message I just had this idea, I want to ask this question, so I posed a question on Facebook, and I said, so this was what the question was, I prefaced it, please give me a one-word answer, one-word answer to the question, and then I just typed out, prayer is dot, 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 and I thought, okay, so maybe I'll get about 10 responses, and, and I can feel good about myself, you know, because people are paying attention to me, and I have a voice out there, right? And as of last night, there were 135 comments about prayer. Prayer is one word. But interesting enough, in those 135 comments, I think there's been a few more since now, uh, since last night, there were 60 different responses, 60 different words used 
to the question, prayer is, one word, response. 60 different responses. So let me give you the top three responses, okay, in, in our scientific Facebook poll here. Number one, which was given nine times, is the word powerful. Prayer is powerful. Do you believe that? Prayer is powerful. Nine times. So number two was communication, given six times. Communication. So if you understand what prayer is, prayer is, is, is conversation, communication. It's give and take, right? So let me give you a hint at some of you that, that talk all the time and don't let anyone else talk. You're just talking. There's no conversation or communication happening, okay? It's the same with God. God wants to, to, to talk back to us, talk with us. It's just conversation. So communication was given six times. And number three, which was given five times, is the word essential. Essential. So let's think about those three things. And I think maybe the top three, at least numerically given in this poll, was it's powerful communication that's essential. You guys did a pretty good definition, didn't you? Give yourself a hand this morning, all right? Give yourself a hand. But, but, but here's what's interesting. So I'm going to read for you real quickly the other 57 words of response. Okay? You guys ready to listen? Here we go. Lifeline, connecting, powerful, conversation, required, personal, intimate, vital, essential, sustaining, everything, hope, important, needed, comforting, reliable, refreshing, faith, forgiveness, awesome, humbling, simple, appeal, life, communion, submission, healing, life-changing, worship, trust, love, relationship, rewarding, peace, privilege, must, Bonding, answers, syncing up, calming, communication, constant, enlightening, effective, transcendent, amazing, necessary, relief, access, rest, wise, thanksgiving, obedience, breath, good, breath, good, completion, reassurance, peace, change, neglected. Now, all those words are correct, right? It's interesting, one of the words is simple. But after I read all the responses, I want to add another word, and that is complex. It's as simple as prayer is. If all of these 60 words can describe what prayer is or a part of prayer, then I think we would have to concede that another word that could be defined of prayer is it's complex, isn't it? But if we can think of all these descriptive words of what prayer is, and we could land on maybe the top three, at least in this one, being powerful communication that is essential, then I think maybe we all understand that. I think we all grasp the reality of that, that prayer is important, that it is powerful, and that it's us communicating with God. Then maybe that's why all of us, and most of us in the room would say this morning that we need help in our prayer life. Because maybe on some level, we grasp the importance of it, the power in it, the fact that it is essential. 
and that we get to communicate. So we, we're going to ask some questions the next few weeks. And so if you have your bulletin, I encourage you to get your bulletin out this morning. Uh, get a pen, get your Bible opened, and, and let's kind of walk through this outline this morning. We, and we're asking the question is who, right, who. And, and so I've split the, the who question into two questions, okay. And as you're turning there, I want to ask something real quick this morning. All right, real quickly as you're turning there, how many of you uh, had the opportunity last week to invite someone to Easter services? How many of you had the opportunity to invite someone? Raise your hand. All right, put your hand up. Very good. Look around the room. See everybody that raised their hand. Maybe you're feeling guilty if your hand's not raised, right? And uh, so, man, it was so encouraging last week. I met so many people who had been invited by a coworker, a friend at school, uh, a neighbor, a family friend. And so I just want to say thank you for inviting your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to church. Um, it, it's, it's not as hard as it seems, is it? It's not as hard as it seems, is it? So back on the, the, the stadium CD on the rail there, we have some invite cards. So I know sometimes it's easier on a, a special day. It's Easter. Uh, and these aren't like particular invite cards, but it's just a card about our church. And then uh, it's kind of a tent card on the the inside opportunity for you to write a note maybe to someone and also has the, the gospel, the plan of salvation here. So I want to encourage you. Let's not just invite someone Easter Sunday. Okay, all of you that raised your hand, all of you that didn't raise your hand but you wish you could have raised your hand, your commission to this week, invite someone to church. What's the worst thing that could happen? Right? Here was, here's what I had fun doing this week. There was a several people last week. Um, there, was, there was 20 hands that, that went up last week that they prayed and received Christ as their Savior. How awesome is that, right? And several of those people I noticed or I noticed who they were sitting with, and I got Monday or Tuesday, I was texting people and saying, hey, who was it that was sitting with you? How do you know them? Or, or there were some that I met Sunday morning, and, and so I already knew who it was, and I, and, and I got the opportunity to text the person that invited them Hey, your friend, your coworker, one of them, your brother, raised his hand or her hand that they prayed and received Christ today in church. You know how much fun that is to text people that? It's awesome. And the response that you get back. And, and so we, we're missing out if we don't invite. So let me just encourage you to take some time to invite someone. That was my secondary message for the day, all right? We're talking about prayer. Matthew chapter 7. It's on your bulletin this morning. If you want to turn there, you can turn. This is kind of our launching verse. Matt uh, read this verse this morning already. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So this question, who? So we're going to split this into two questions. Who do we ask? So we're talking about prayers. It's essential. It's powerful. It's communication. But who are we communicating with? This verse here in Matthew says, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be open to you. But who are we asking? Who are we communicating with? Where does this power come from? So turn over, you may not have to turn over a page, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. 
So the question, who do we ask? And then there's three responses here in your bulletin. The first one is this. We pray or we ask, we pray to God, the Father. We pray to God, the Father. So here in Matthew chapter number 6, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching really anyone who's going to listen. But he's teaching the disciples here. And in Matthew 6, he's talking about spiritual disciplines. Three of the disciplines that he mentions here in Matthew chapter 6 are praying, fasting, and giving. Right? So we're not going to talk about giving or fasting this morning so you can breathe easy, all right? We'll talk about praying. But look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets, and that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray... Get into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your, what's the next word there? Maybe you ought to circle that. Pray to your Father who's in secret place, and your who? Father who sees in secret reward you. Maybe you should circle Father again. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not, le- do not be like them, for your What's the next word? Father. Maybe you should circle that. I think you're following here. Knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And the Lord Jesus gives us what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. Okay, now we, hopefully you realize that the Lord's Prayer is not actually a prayer. Okay, Jesus is not praying here. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. So in Luke chapter number 11, we kind of get the same story, the same prayer, or the same model of prayer, and the disciples ask Jesus the question, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gives them this model prayer, what we term as the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's not wrong to pray, it's not wrong to recite it, but understand what it is. It's a pattern that Jesus gave the disciples who gives to us of prayer. One of my favorite uh, memories uh, when we were in Kansas, I had the opportunity uh, to coach high school football and basketball at the, at the local high school. And uh, because I was a pastor, I got to be the one before every football game, you know, after the coach, his head coach has given this great speech about going out and, you know, doing their best or whatever, they would huddle in the locker room and I would get to lead these 60 or 80 high school students in the Lord's Prayer. That's awesome. It's awesome. But look what he says. when. So Jesus says in verse number 9, In this manner, therefore, pray. Again, this is a pattern of prayer. And how does he start this pattern? Our what? Father. Our Father. So who are we praying to? God the Father. God the Father. And, and, and I just want to list a few things. We think about, who, so who is God the Father? And when God revealed himself to Moses as the great I am. And all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that word Yahweh or Jehovah. Or if you, in your English translation, it would be Lord all capitalized. And just a few, just give me a, let me give you a few characteristics in the Old Testament, reference to God 
by name. Okay, so Jehovah, Lord, followed with Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider, the great I am, the King of kings, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is present. That is the God who you get to communicate with, the God who provides, the God who gives peace, the God who heals, the creator, the Lord. I think we grasp the understanding then that power is powerful. Power, uh, prayer is essential. Prayer is communicating with the Lord himself. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray our Father. Let's continue. So we pray to, to come, or we come, the next one there on your outline, we come to the Father through Jesus. We come to the Father through Jesus. So as we pray, as we ask, as we communicate, we're praying to God, our creator, the Lord himself. And we have access to God, our creator, when we come in the name of who? Jesus. That, so all of you that maybe wondered, why do we always end our prayer in the name of Jesus I pray, right? In Jesus' name I pray. And, and, and may that not just be a tagline to the end of your prayer. Because the authority you have to speak to the great I am is given to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the Father and the Son. John 14, 6, Jesus said this. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember what words preceded that? Jesus said, I'm the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. So it's not just a tagline to the end of your prayer. In John 14, verse 13 through 14, he says, Jesus talking again, and whoever, when, whatever you ask in my name, in the name of Jesus, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, in the name of Jesus, I will do it. You remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and as we read through Scripture, the words he said, it is finished. And what happened when he said it is finished? It went dark, didn't it? And the earth shook. And in the temple, do you remember what happened in the temple? The temple veil rent in two from top to bottom. What's the significance of that? You see, the veil the, between the people and God, there was separation. 
because Jesus died on the cross, I have direct access to God the Creator through the blood of Jesus. So we come to God, the Father, the Creator of all things, the Lord Himself, and we have access to God, the Father, through God, the Son, Jesus. Let's look at the third one. We pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So here we understand that in prayer, the Trinity is involved. We're praying to God the Father, and we have access to God the Father through God the Son, Jesus, because he died and hung on a cross and paid the penalty of my sin debt. And the power of the Holy Spirit, at the moment of your salvation, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The power of God indwells you. The power of God in you allows you to pray. So we, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, to God the Father. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That's pretty awesome. We have direct access to God. So who do we ask? God, the Father, our Lord. The, the next question there on your bulletin, if you follow along, is, so we have this awesome tool of communication that we've kind of defined as powerful, essential communication. Now we've defined that that powerful, essential communication is to God, our creator. We have access to God, our creator, through Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we know who we ask. Well, so who can ask? So here's a key statement that we're going to kind of be, be jumping off on the next few blanks here. Communication with God begins with a relationship. Communication with God begins with a relationship. Let's see what we're talking about. So Matthew chapter 6, probably still there. We've asked you to circle this word four times. Father, Father in verse 8, Father again. Verse 9, our Father. Jesus doesn't tell the disciples here to pray to his Father. To your Father, our Father. Not just, oh, the man upstairs. Not just a Father. But whose father? You see the implication there, what it's implying? That there's a relationship. The first blank there says prayer begins with a relationship, but it's a personal relationship. I want you to turn me to John chapter 1. We're going to turn to a few verses of Scripture. So turn with me. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be, it'll be up on the screen. But John chapter number 1. But I want you to see these in your Bible if you have one. If you have your phone, get your phone out, and hopefully you're using the U version or some other Bible app. 
But John chapter 1, verse 9. John 1, verse 9, that was the true light, okay? So we'll pause for a moment. This is speaking of Jesus, okay? Just that was the true light. Jesus was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Again, referencing Jesus. But look at verse 12. But as many as received him. Who are they receiving? Jesus. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. So we have access, we have communication, we have an opportunity to pray to God, our creator, the Lord himself, our father, if we have received the son. In John chapter 3, remember when Jesus, uh, when Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night, it's like, how can I have eternal life? Like, maybe maybe I'm believing what you're saying. How can I have eternal life? Do you remember what Jesus said to him? No one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they be born again. Unless they have a second birth, a spiritual birth. And and Nicodemus was kind of confused, remember? Well, how can I enter into my mother's womb a second time now that I'm old? So we're all created by God, but at your birth, so at my birth, August the 9th, remember my birthday's coming up, August the 9th, 1973, that's old, August the 9th, so half of, half of you in the room are like, oh, you're young, half of you are like, oh, you're old, especially this section over here, I'm not looking over there, August the 9th, 1973. I was born. Was I born a child of God? My, my parents went to church. I forgot to tell you that. My parents went to church. My dad was on staff. In fact, my dad had to leave right after we were born to go drive the bus for vacation Bible school. Come on. Right? So was I born a child of God? On August 9, 1973. wasn't. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. That was my physical birth. I wasn't a child of God. Not till June the 6th, 1991, when, as we read, read here in John 1, verse 12, to many as in received him, then I became what? Child of God. And when I became a child of God, when I received Christ into my life, I had a personal relationship with God, my creator. And now, as Jesus said, I can say, God, my Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's personal. I have a personal relationship with God, my creator. And so the question you need to ask yourself is do you? Have you had a spiritual birth? 
It's personal. There's, there's other verses I would encourage you. I mean, Ephesians talks about, uh, it uses the same kind of terminology other than it uses the, the word adoption. We are adopted into the family of God that God chose us before the foundation of the world. And, a, and if we receive Jesus into our life, he now adopts us into his family. He chose us. Like my parents, when I was born, they were stuck with what they got. Times two. Some 12 years later, they had a choice to make. This little girl was one day old and they had a choice. Well, we adopt her into our family. And they made that choice. And here's what God wants you. I don't think it's an accident that this word is used. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you are adopted into the family of God. It's a personal relationship. The second one on your blank there goes even a step farther. It's a loving relationship. John 3.16, most of us know that God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and have the opportunity to be adopted into the family of God and be able to address God the creator as my father who art in heaven. In 1 John 4.10, it says, "In, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. He loved you, and he sent his son to be a propitiation or a payment for your sins. That's love. A personal relationship, it's a loving relationship. And the third one is it's a secure relationship. So on June the 6th, 1991, when I gave my life to Christ and I was born into the family of God, I was adopted into the family of God, God now my father. This may come as a surprise to you in the room, but before June the 6th, 1991, I wasn't perfect. I know, it's tough to figure that out. Since June the 6th, 1991, guess what? Still not perfect. I'm so thankful that I didn't have to be perfect to be adopted into God's family. And I'm really thankful I don't have to be perfect to stay in God's family. Forever. In Ephesians, we talked about his adoptions in the family, and later it goes on to say that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who keeps our salvation. In Romans chapter number 8, turn there real quick. There's other verses we could read, but turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Hopefully you'll go home. There's so much more information in this bulletin than we're going through. Go go home this week and read through all these verses. Think through this a little more for yourself. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Paul is talking about, about the love of God that he has received. Paul has been adopted in the family of God. Before Paul met Jesus, he killed people who followed Jesus. God completely, radically changed his life, adopted it into his family. He received the gift of salvation, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and Paul now is talking about 
that love of God. And this is what he says, verse 35, who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all that it own. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's a personal relationship. It's a loving relationship. It's secure. Look at verse 38. For I am persuaded, or I am convinced. Paul says, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can make you unadopted. You're not going to be excommunicated from God's family. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So, who do we ask? We ask God the Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Who can ask? His children. His children. I love that picture, God. I mean, all these, all these descriptive words that we've given. Shalom, peace. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. We sang this morning, he's my friend. But God is my father. The last one there, and there's no blank on number three, it just simply says, just ask. If you're a child of God, you know what he wants? He, he wants to hear your voice. Now, many of you guys have been through the different stage lives, uh, stages of life, right? So uh, I, I thought of this the other day. We were at, actually at the softball game, and uh, a granddad walked up, and his grandkids came and were just like latched onto his leg. You guys remember that? Okay, I remember when my kids used to do that. You guys, and that's, I had this weird thought. I'm weird, okay? I had this weird thought. I was about to play softball. I was like, man, I remember when I used to come home and my kids were like excited to see me. <laughs> you guys remember those days? Now, I mean, they get excited if, they're, if they know they're getting money or something, right? I think sometimes we, we do the same thing to God that our kids do to us, or truth, what I did to my parents. I, I think I can handle, I got this. I, for some reason, the four years that I was in college, my parents gained a lot of knowledge. I, I'm not sure how. I still haven't figured it out. You know, my son is 20 now, or almost 20. And, and I don't get tired when he texts me. In fact, if, if he's texting me just for information, just like just to talk, it's pretty awesome. And can I say this, that 
we talk about prayer and we get to, we get to have access, powerful, essential communication with God, our Father, do you think he gets tired of hearing from you? Look at Matthew 7 where we started this morning. We started here, ask, verse 7, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who a son asks for bread will give him a stone? Thanks, Dad, right? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Verse 11. If you then, being evil, sorry, but everyone in here is evil, me included, we fall into this. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Say it with me. Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. We, we cannot, listen, we cannot fathom the love that God has for us. Like the love you have for your kids, the love for you have for your grandkids, maybe if you've been alive long enough, your great-grandkids, you probably love each a little more than the other one, right? It, it doesn't compare to how much God loves you. And, and could I say another thing on top of that is as much as you want good for your kids, and we all want good for our kids, God wants it more for them than you do. He paid a much higher price for them than you did. In Matthew 6, when, when the Lord was, when Jesus was, uh, what, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, we won't take time to turn back there, but three times before he gets into the Lord's Prayer, so in verse 5, 7, 5, 6, and 7, and verse 8, before he gets into the official, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, three times he makes this statement. When you pray, when you pray. When you pray. What's the assumption there? That you're going to pray. Like before we get into a lot of practical things that we may get into the next few weeks, could I just say that just talk to God your Father. He, he wants to hear from you. James says you have not because you ask not. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. So two questions and, and we'll be done. Can you ask? And let me explain. Who did we say could ask? His children. So this morning as you sit there, can you ask? Are you a child of God? And if not, why not do it today? The second one is, it's pretty simple. 
are you asking? The assumption Jesus had was that if you are a child of God, you are going to be someone who talks to God. Do you regularly talk to God? Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? And this morning, as we think about these two questions, I'm going to ask real quickly as we prepare, we're going to have a a song of worship here to close the service out, an opportunity for you to have a formal time of prayer. But who would say this morning, okay, John, the reality is I've never been born into the family of God. I've never, for myself, made that decision and received Jesus into my life. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. If that's you this morning and you would like me to pray for you, you would like to acknowledge that reality this morning in your own life, I would just ask you real quick this morning, would you raise your hand for a moment? Just raise your hand for a moment. I just want to be able to pray for you. Anyone, just put your hand up this morning. Thank you. Just leave it up for a moment so that I can look around and there's several of us in here this morning. Anyone that would just put your hand up and say thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just look up at me or raise your hand or raise your hand and look at me. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I, I, I saw three. There may be more of you. Here's what I want you to do this morning, right where you're seated. I want you to talk to God right now. And here's what I want you to tell God. You can repeat after me. You can put in your own words. It's not you talking to me. I don't need to hear you. It's you talking to God. And this is what I want you to say. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Today, right now in this moment, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I want Jesus in my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Please adopt me into your family. And as our eyes are closed, just for another moment, would anyone this morning, maybe you already raised your hand, maybe you didn't, would anybody say, John, prayed that prayer this morning would you, would you also lift your hand up again if that was you this morning, thank you thank you anyone else just put your hand up for a moment if you want to look at me so you know that I've seen you thank you, you can put your hand down thank you anyone else this morning, thank you anybody else thank you In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of worship. 
And I want to ask you this morning one more thing. If, if you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, I would ask you to, to come forward, come down here this morning. There's going to be people standing here. They're going to be facing you. Just come forward this morning and shake their hand. Tell them what you did. They would love to open up the Bible and confirm the decision you've made. For the rest of us this morning, the question was pretty simple. Is are you asking? In other words, do you need improvement in your prayer life? Do you need to make a commitment to pray? Do you need to make a habit of prayer? Do you need more more aware, more open? Who, who would raise their hand? John, that's me. I need, I need to pray more often. Just put your hand up. Put your hand down. Here's what I want you to do in a moment. When we stand and we begin to worship, I want you to ask you to come forward and pray. Take that step of faith to, in front of people to, to acknowledge, I am going to work on my relationship, my communication that I know is essential and I know it's powerful with God my Father. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, again, when you come forward, just shake the person's hand that's standing up here and ask them to pray with you. God, we are blessed to be here. Lord, I pray for those this morning that that prayed and received Jesus into their life, Lord, they were adopted in the family of God. And I pray you would give them courage to tell someone or to come forward this morning and talk to someone. Give them the boldness, the courage, the, the, the strength to do that, Lord. To know we want to celebrate with them in this life-changing decision. For the rest of us, Lord, as we come forward and seek you, Lord, would you just allow us to enjoy the presence of God our Father. Would you stay with me this morning? We're going to sing a song of worship this morning. I encourage you to worship with us. The words will be up on the screen. I encourage you to come forward and pray this morning as we sing.